So we showed some videos along the way about radical hospitality and what not to do. The interesting thing about that is that it shows kind of what not to do inside the church, but radical hospitality has a whole lot more to do outside the church than it does inside. So our topic, we're beginning a series of the five practices of fruitful congregations, and it's starting with radical hospitality. Our title is actually Welcome to the Kingdom, because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how do we welcome people to the kingdom of God as we have been welcomed. So to help us understand what that means, I've selected actually two passages today. One is from the Old Testament, one from the New. The first is out of Genesis 18, beginning at verse 1. The Lord appeared unto him in the the plains of Mamah, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort you your hearts. After that, you can pass on. For therefore are you come to your servant. And they said, So do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal needed, and make uh, cakes upon the hearth. Abraham ran to the herd, and he fetched a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man, and he hastened to dress it. And he took butter and milk, and the calf which he had dressed, and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And the passage out of the New Testament out of, out of the Gospel of Matthew, this is Jesus speaking prior to the plot to kill him, begins to unfold. It's Matthew 25, it's a familiar passage to many of us, beginning in verse 34. Then shall the king say to them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hunger, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and fed you, or thirsty, and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king shall answer and say, As in the early I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. This is the word of God for us this morning and for all people. Thanks be to God. So I begin with an Old Testament passage because I want us to understand uh, radical hospitality. It's not really a brand new thing. This is uh, Bishop Schnee put kind of this label on it, but this has been going on for a very, very long time. And a critical aspect of this comes from Abraham because he was prepared. And, and being hospitable, being engaging in right after hospitality means being prepared like Abraham was prepared. See, the culture of his time was to welcome travelers, to welcome those who were strangers. That's what they did back then. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, the Bible tells us the story of God, God's invitation into the kingdom. He's inviting us into the kingdom. He could have threw away Israel countless times, but he kept inviting them back. They mess up, he, you know, they get punished, and then they, he'd invite them back. So this is a story about God's love for his people. Sometimes that love is, is warm and it feels good, and sometimes that love is disciplined. Any parents in here? Yeah. Do you ever have to discipline your kids? Do you still love them? Do you discipline them because you love them? 
See, sometimes we get disciplined as well. Love is, is multifaceted when, it, when we look at love from God's perspective. So this story is the story of God's grace in Scripture that flows towards all of us. He meets us where we are and loves us so much that he will not leave us there. He moves us to a new place. And the Jews understood that because, remember, they had been in captivity in Egypt, right? So they knew what it meant to be a captive. They knew what it, what it meant to be stuck, to be slaves. And they had been rescued from that captivity. They had been redeemed. And they were a stranger in the land. So they knew what this meant. It was very personal to them. So in the Old Testament, we find the admonition consistently to take care of the alien, the stranger, what, what Scripture calls the sojourner, the traveler. And Jesus was a part of that culture. That was his culture, right? Jesus was a Jew. We know that, right? So, so this was his culture. So when he says something like, take care of those who are hungry, take care of those who are sick, those who are in need, those who can't take care of themselves, he, he's speaking from a place of experience in his own culture. But he added something. Because it's because if you do it unto the least of these, my friends, you have done it unto me. And that's a great thought, isn't it? That every time that we, we're, we're welcoming to somebody, every time that we treat someone well, we're treating Jesus well, we're welcoming Jesus. That's a great thought. You know, it's a scary thought. Every time that we treat somebody poorly or we're mean to somebody, we're treating Jesus poorly. That's a little, that's a little scary thought when we start to look at it like, Jesus is a part of our life and everything that we do and everywhere that we go. The early church grasped hospitality, understood what it meant. See, they had to take care of themselves because they were under persecution. There were groups of people trying to kill them. They wanted to get rid of them individually and they wanted to get rid of this thing called Christianity. They didn't like it. They didn't want that to continue. So hospitality was a big deal for them. Even into the, the, the third and fourth century, back, the Bible was written in the mid-300s. So this is before, right before the Bible and through that time, we had some great church fathers, fathers, great writers and theologians. One was a gentleman named St. Augustine. And he said this, he said, Acknowledge the duty of hospitality, thereby some have attained unto God. Think about that. It's the manner that we treat other people it can introduce them to God, welcome them to the kingdom. How we treat other people matters. Always has. Since the early days of Christianity, since the days of Abraham, it's matter. In our culture today, we have lost sight of that. But it's common in the early church. The Benedictine order, there's a gentleman named Benedict, he created uh, the Benedictine order of monks, and they understood hospitality in that same way, but they, they switched it just a little bit in the, in the terminology, let all guests who arrive be received like Christ. What if everybody who came here, everybody you met out there, you received them like they were Jesus Christ himself? I don't mean, you know, bow, don't bow down before them. Oh, come on, that was a little funny. <laughs> but you know, receive them like, like you welcome them. As if they were Jesus. Jerome, who's a, a, another church father, he, he wrote such a, about the same kind of thing where, where you don't know if, if, if you're receiving an angel unaware. 
The way that we welcome people in our lives matters. Always has. In our culture today, it's changed a little bit. We've lost the biblical sense of hospitality. Let me read something for you to, uh, to see if it comes close to capturing the spirit of the culture. In a commercial country, a busy country, time becomes precious and hospitality is not much valued. That sounds like something from our era, right? But it's not. It's Samuel Johnson said that back in the 18th century. What was going on then was the Industrial Revolution. There was a transformation going on with, with factories coming along and productivity becoming important. And time became a commodity. Being welcoming of people takes time. It's an inconvenience sometimes. We've allowed hospitality to become the arena of restaurants and hotels and, and others. And so we go there and, and they'll treat us well if we take out yawning. I'll give you this if you give me a room. I'll give you this if you give me a meal. And if you treat me really, really good, I'll add a little bit onto that meal. Hospitality has become a give and take. If you give me this, then I'll give you something in return. And that's become, that's our, the whole industry that's geared for that. That's what happens in the hospitality industry. And that's what's happened with hospitality. See, if we're really living out hospitality the way Jesus wanted us to, we wouldn't need the word radical because it'd already be radical. Amen? It'd be different. It'd be outside the box. Because we'd just be doing what Jesus asked us to do. Welcome the stranger. Welcome all those who are, who are not as well off as we are. Or maybe they're better off than we are, but we welcome them anyway. But we need the word radical to remind us that we're looking at doing this differently from the way of the world. In church, it's not a give and take. Although a lot of churches, it's become that. If your music is good enough, I might give you an offering. If the message is nice, you know, I might put a little extra in there. Give you 20 bucks. I'll pay my $20 admission. Right? We don't see giving as a spiritual discipline. We see it as, well, it, it, church is really good today, so I'll give something for that. It's that giving change. That's not Christian hospitality. That's not radical hospitality. It's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, if they come to you and they ask you, then give them something. He said, go see them. So go, go and help them. Somebody tell them because you're doing it to me. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Apostle Paul in his letter to Romans, welcome one another just as Christ has welcomed you. We've been welcomed. Let's carry that message. When your heart is moved, when, when we really, really, really get that, that God, is, God has welcomed us and graced us and, and, and given us so much, gratitude overwhelms us. And it becomes impossible not to share that. The kind of love for God that, that you can't help but share. Because it comes out of it. It's in different places. Even if you tried to hold it in, you wouldn't be able to do it. It's overwhelming. You ever been overwhelmed by gratitude? I'll tell you yesterday, and it was a little bit embarrassing because I was trying to do communion. 
to the leaders. And, I, and I'm talking a little bit about my story, just how impossible it is to go from where I was to where I am, you know. And and I just was overwhelmed. Was overwhelmed. It was because it's impossible to go from the person that I was to become the person that I am. Just can't happen. And yet, here we are. Has God ever done something impossible? Taking you from a place where you didn't maybe know what was going on to a place where you're so grateful for Him in your life? Man, that's God's hospitality. That's what He's given to us. He welcomes us to His kingdom. And we're to carry that with us to all others. We're compelled to be the hands and feet of Christ. He has no hands and feet but yours. Has no hands and feet but yours. We welcome the stranger. We're compelled to welcome the sick. We're visit the sick. We're compelled to help those who are in need. We don't have a choice because it's a part of who we are. It's what it means to be a Christian. It's what it means. The Bishop Snavey's definition of, of Christian hospitality says that Christian hospitality refers to the active desire to invite, welcome, receive, and care for those who are strangers so that they find a spiritual home and discover for themselves the unending richness of a life in Jesus Christ. The unending richness of a life in Jesus Christ. Because it means going beyond the norm. It means meeting people where they are. There's a, a gentleman who went to a wedding at a church that he used to attend. And as he was walking around, you know how we do when we're at a, at a church where we used to be, we would walk around and see what's going on. And, you know, and he was doing that, and he was in an area, there was nobody else there, it was a weekend, and there was a woman who, who, was, who came in and was looking for help. And he saw her, and he said, can I help you? And she started to pour out her heart to him. There was no pastors around. There was no professional around. And she was pouring out his heart to him. And he, re- he remembered who the Stephen minister leader was. So he called a Stephen minister person who was out working in, in his yard, was sweaty and, and yucky and all that. But he said, I'll be there in 20 minutes. And he hopped in the car and went down to the church. And the three of them met with her, prayed with her, listened to her. We don't always have the answer. In fact, usually we don't. Usually it's being present that's the big deal. And then we're present with her. Here's the radical part of that. It was inconvenient. Convenient would have been stay home. Convenient would have been I've got a wedding to go to. But they didn't just do the minimum. They went beyond. And that's what Christ is asking of us. Not that we'll do the minimum, that we take the next step, that we move out of our own power into His. And when they when they did that, it impacted her life. It made a difference in her life because they met her, they welcomed her, they were Jesus Christ to her. That's the spirit Jesus asks us to move and act with people in. We're not to follow the lead of the world, we're to follow the lead of Christ. The Holy Spirit will empower us and give us strength to do that, the courage to do that. A 
I guarantee it was uncomfortable because you never know what you're going to get when somebody begins to pour their heart out to you. But it's worth it to be present in that moment. If there's room in the heart, there's room in the house. I hope that in our heart here, there's always room. Room in the heart, there's room in the house. This past Christmas, I don't highlight some stuff, I don't highlight some more. This past Christmas, there was a member of our church heard about a need for a family in the community. had just hit with one thing after the next thing after the next thing. And the dad had been injured in a fall, and illness had happened, and the daughter was so just one thing after another, and they couldn't work. And neighbors were buying that family food. And it was heard about here, we took a collection, and I was the one who was blessed to be able to take it to them after Gene and Chris showed me where they were. Knock on the door, and he opened the door, and I folded up the check, and I, I said, you know, introduced myself, and I'm the pastor from over, over here. So we just wanted to be a blessing at Christmas. Merry Christmas. And, and he did the, oh, thank you so much. He opened up the check, and he looked at it, and he did this, and he went, and he started crying. Because our little collection that we've taken up was $1,500. $1,500 before Christmas to a family that had lost everything. Now, see, it wasn't just that they had got to have Christmas. They got to pay their bills. They got to, to, to eat. They didn't have to, to, to worry as much because of God moving in the hearts of some of you. Had a veteran's benefit. We raised... $4,700 here, $5,000 was given because it was a gift from fish. Help with a handicap family. Don listed people who are helping with the fish and the shepherd's staff who are being inconvenienced for Jesus' sake. It is easier to not go to the fish. It is easier to stay home from going to the shepherd's staff. It's easier to, to not be involved with people in the community. Except that's not what we're called to. We're called to radical hospitality. We're called to be outside of our comfort zone, to do more. The nurture committee, Don mentioned that they lift you up in prayer, but they also will write you a card. They'll, they'll bring you food. When I go visit people at hospitals, you know who I generally will see at least one up there? One of those women, at least, is almost always at the hospital. And they're praying for you. They meet here on Monday mornings, and you're welcome to come anytime, but they pray for you, whether they're here or not. For you. Listen to you up. It's amazing what can happen when we embrace this idea of moving out of our comfort zone. What would happen if that kind of radical hospitality became the cultural reality for us, for all of us in this church, in each of our lives? What would happen if the leaders and all the people of our church understood hospitality like Jesus did? Welcome the strangers, be sick, visit those in prison, visit those folks who aren't well. What if we all embrace that? What would happen if we live that out every day of our lives? became who we are as Christians. We were to welcome the strangers to this place and, and elsewhere because that's what Jesus did with us. 
What would it mean if trustees express that kind of hospitality in their care of the buildings and all that goes on around here? What about finance with the stewardship of the money that we have? If we looked at it from how, how, what can we do with this to be radically welcoming and impactful in our community? It matters that this thing, I joked some last time, but it matters that we paint it. It matters that we have grass, that the parking lot is done. That the pavilion, it looks like it looks, that we have new playground equipment, that that's renovated over there. Those things matter because when folks come here, we want to offer our very best. Our very best. It matters. Get outside the box. Get outside of our comfort zone. What if we truly try to understand why we do what we do? Because, yeah, we've done a lot of stuff here, but this stuff doesn't matter other than it's a tool to reach people. You know why we're here? As Christians, we're here this morning to celebrate God and what He's doing. We've done that this morning. We continue to do it. You know why we're here, Christians? Is it to be in here on every Sunday morning? Yes, but more. We're here to impact the lives of people. The psalm says, if we are the body, why aren't His hands reaching? We're His hands. I am and you are. If we don't do it, it's not going to happen. It's not about the money. It's not about the building. It's about the people we serve in our community and in our world. It's about serving them in the name of Jesus Christ. Serving them in His name. When we clap this morning, we're clapping not for necessarily for the people. It's for God working through the people. That's why we lift that up. That's a Offering to our God about what He's doing in our lives. Do we set a really high standard of excellence? I certainly hope so. I hope so. I hope that we always set the bar so high that we can't get there without God. Because if I can do it without God, then I'm not taking a risk. You know, that's not radical hospitality. That's just being doing what I can do. God wants us to go to the place where we can't, so that He can, with excellence. We want to do as well as we possibly can. Not be afraid to go the extra mile, whether it's spending money that needs to be spent. I love that our budget, we have a surplus, but I need to tell you two things about it. When you look at your bill, it says one, what was 131 given, 123 spent. Our budget was 143, so that means you have really good stewards among your leadership on one hand. But on the other, there was $8,000 that we didn't spend for the work of Jesus Christ. That we have. We need to be willing to take the resources that we're given and use them for Him. Money is given to us, not for us, given so that we can have an impact on Christ in the world. Radical hospitality means that we, we go the step beyond. It permeates all that we do, all the use of our resources, our time, our talent. We, it, you can think of it this way this, this level of welcoming, this level of outreach is. The essence of what it means to be a Christian is certainly the essence of the gospel, the good news. It's who Jesus was. It's what he sends us to be and do. What if we thought to bring our best and be our best everywhere that we went? We like to dress nice and come to church and look good here, but I got some really bad news for you. God is everywhere that you go. It's good that we do that, right? That, that we dress our best to come here, but it's not about Sunday morning. God, you don't get to escape God when you leave here. You are to be our best everywhere that we go. Do our best everywhere that we go. 
not about church on Sunday morning. God is not the building. The church is not the building. God is not the building. God doesn't live here during the week. He lives where you are. He's with you. Every step, everywhere you go. He's with you. It's not once a week. It's once a day. All day. Each morning, we make a decision. Am I going to pick up my cross? Or am I not? See, Abraham understood the importance of the best, getting the best that he had with those three men because he welcomed them. He made them feel as if they were the most important people in the world. He, he didn't just kind of say, hey, it's nice that you're here, and then send them on their way or give them some little thing. He ran to them, bowed down, said, can I get you some food? Then he goes and does it. He goes into Sarah and he says, make your best bread. Make your very best flour. Runs to the field, he gets a calf and, 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 and a butcher's calf and he offers his best meal. There's a sense of urgency with Abraham. He did all this so, so that he could welcome them and treat them well in that moment. Sometimes in the church we lose that sense of urgency because we think we've got time. We don't know how much time we've got. So we need to have that sense of urgency and passion back in our, in our Christian lives. And then when he was back, you know what he did? He sat down and watched the meeting. Now imagine he sat down and watched him eat and felt pretty good. Because he had served him. He had served him. Jesus is ready to provide that same meal to every person that's invited into his kingdom. And we're the invite Who did you invite to his kingdom this week? There's a painting that portrays Jesus standing at the door of the banquet hall inviting people in. But he's not only inviting, he's reaching out, he's grasping the arm of one and, and trying to bring him in. And the man is, is, is not willing to go in easily because I don't deserve to be in there. You know, it looks like that's kind of what he's saying. I, I don't deserve to be in that banquet. I don't deserve to be a part of that. But Jesus is coming. Come in. Welcome. Welcome to the banquet. Come in and feast. Maybe he's telling me that this morning. Welcome. Come. Come to the feast. The great banquet that we get to celebrate every day in the presence of our God. See, Jesus wants of us to invite people into his kingdom. We're to be an inviting people. We're to be a welcoming people. Have that spirit of, of we don't care where you come from, we don't care who you are, you're welcome in this place. Be willing to go as far as we need to. You know, Jesus told a parable about the shepherd who, who had a hundred sheep and he, one of them was lost. And you know what he did? He said, forget about the lost one. I've got to look after the 99, right? Oh. There's a lot of lost sheep out here, isn't it? It's up to us. It's up to you and me. To talk to them. At some point this week, we bump into somebody. It doesn't have to be a hard sell. It can be something as simple as, can I pray with you? Some way, talk to someone about this Jesus of ours. There are lost sheep that need to hear about Jesus. He's the one who's going to change our heart. We never do. We are the introducers. We are the inviters. Don't make it complicated. Make it simple. 
talk to somebody in, in some way about Jesus and how much you love him and how much he loves you or pray for someone, whatever it takes. Be hospitable. Because it'll be a cool day where they come in and we're able to say, welcome to the kingdom. So then, welcome. You're welcome in this place. So that's my challenge to you this week. Simple. Be the hands of your Christ. Let's see what happens. Let's see what God does when we're willing to step out of our comfort zone to a place where He lives.